Welcome to Rugged Theology, a Mile One Mission podcast where we talk theology, church planting, and drink coffee. Welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. Uh, you've probably heard part one of Imago Day. Now you're now you're going to hear the rest of the conversation of uh, part two, and we'll just get right into that. So, boys, how's your week been? Very short, strangely enough. <laughs> well, I mean, for everyone else, I guess a week has passed by, and we're we're still sat in the same room. <laughs> Literally thirty seconds have passed by from one and two. <laughs> Those 30 seconds have been horrible. <laughs> All right. So uh, we've done, I think we've done a pretty good job of introducing people to the Imago Dei, um, saying you know, how we can met, make that wrong and that. So why is it important for Christians to understand the Imago Dei, to know what it actually is and basically, like, what does it mean for us as Christians? I think there are two actually equal and opposite importances that are given by recognizing that we are created in the image of God and that we are fallen images of God. First of all, by being created in the image of God, I mean, that does speak about the very high value that humans have. I mean, the fact is, every human is in the image of God. In Genesis 9-5, I think it is, uh, even... Uh, God says to humanity, don't, uh, that if you kill a human, that uh, you should be killed by other humans because humans are made in the image of God. Because it's, it would be an attack on the majesty and authority of God to uh, attack a human. So every single person in the world, uh, if they are human, which is every single human, regardless of uh, race, gender, uh, and uh, identities that they choose to face, religious backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, all of that, regardless of that, they are made in the image of God. But at the same time, because they are fallen images of God, that means, and all of us have sinned, as Scripture says, that means that our understanding of the image of God means that every single moment that we sin, we are attacking the very image of God. So it, it shows just how extreme our sin is and the sheer weight of it. I do, I do really just want to highlight, though, what Steve said. I think that's, that is huge. Um, I mean, especially just, just to get a little more practical around looking. I mean, if we look at around the world now, especially in Canada and the United States, there's a huge problem of, of, what, of human value and how we think about that and how that leads to humans treating other humans. Um, you know, I mean, the word, like, racism, essentially, right? Like, Yeah, not even in, I mean, that's even trickled even to us in Canada. Uh, we've had our own Black Lives Matter protests. We've had people, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think our issue is a little more for our indigenous population, which, you know, we've definitely have some really serious crimes against that we've, injustices that, 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 uh, have been done against them, but uh, it it trickles even to us. None of us are not affected by this. We've all been guilty, I think, of treating other people from other backgrounds, other cultures differently. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, have you ever noticed how we disagree with each other politically nowadays? We don't actually disagree about the politics. We start saying that the other person is evil or uh, unacceptable because they've got this horrible belief mm -hmm. that the person is either a fascist or a communist or a... Nobody's ever just somebody else who disagrees with me. And, and when we do that, we then demean their value of being an image bearer of God and their value of life and then think that because they're evil, that gives me the right to mistreat them, to mm -hmm. be mean to them, to whatever. Exactly. Meanwhile, just because we're on different sides of politics or whatever it may be, or race, if you, if you understand the image of God, the fact that what Steve mentioned earlier, that that is essentially the foundation, the base for why human life, why anybody is valuable, um, yeah. that just because you have a disagreement or because you perceive they're evil gives you no right to then mistreat them or to, to do anything wrong against them. That just doesn't, they don't coexist. You can't do that. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, I, I just saw a movie uh, on Apple TV, uh, Greyhound, the one about the Battle of the North Atlantic. And uh, Tom Hanks plays a captain there who's fairly Christian. And I, I was I found it very interesting because I think his uh, Tom Hanks's portrayal gets the gets kind of the tension that Christians probably should have if we understand the Imago Dei. Uh, I mean, they're fighting the Germans. The Germans are actively trying to kill people, mm -hmm. uh, and their job is to to defend them, which by that token means they're actively trying to kill the Germans. And uh, they kill the first the first U boat, and someone says that's uh, twenty less. Germans to worry about and you know they're all cheering and Tom Hanks kind of says yeah that's 20 more souls and kind of kind of sadly walks back in sucks the air right out of the room yeah mm -hmm. but it's it, it's what a Christian would would probably have mm -hmm. to do if they if they were in that position uh the movie Fury uh Shia LaBeouf actually played a really interesting character he was you know played a Christian in that movie and the uh it was a really interesting scene. Like he, you know, he talks about, it. like, it's a real realistic, I think, portrayal because like, the men are cursing. They're they're in this atmosphere that we can't even imagine. But as they're going over the field and you know they've been killing the other the enemy, he's, there's a moment where Shia LaBeouf's character is stopping with the enemy that's dying, and he's asking, "Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know your know? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior?" So they're fighting the enemy, but he's still taking that time to. You know, acknowledge that you're a human being. You're not just an enemy. Right. You're a human being, and you also need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Right. And, I mean, that goes back to uh, just a simple statement that Jesus made. We must love our enemies mm -hmm. and pray for those who persecute you. And, I mean, that that's a very, like, extreme scenario that you just described. I mean, let's be honest, most of us, hopefully, Lord willing, won't be going to war and having to have these kinds I'm of really battles. I'm really hopeful of not going to war. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, kind of just bringing it back down to earth of what Steve was talking about earlier with, you know, that when we deal with people who disagree with us politically, when we deal with people who might may be racists or whatever, our heart shouldn't be, A, it shouldn't be to mistreat them because they're evil, right. but B, it also shouldn't just be, well, I'm just going to leave them as they are. Exactly. They're still a person who needs Christ. There's still a person who we need to preach the gospel to. Um, and and we need to see them as not just neutral, but as valuable. These right. are people mm -hmm. who bear God's image. So um, this, There's no negative. There's no neutral. We have to go 
for the positive, right? So this idea of, you know, the Imago Dei being created in the image of God actually gives Christians a pretty good reason to not only respect other people, but to treat them with dignity to, you know, point them back to the Creator to essentially not be racist or prejudiced or yeah, mistreat absolutely. other people. Well, I find uh, Dave, when he was preaching a couple of, a couple of times ago, he said uh, that love is e- most easily defined as des- de- desiring the good of another. And I think he took that from Thomas Aquinas. Yep. Um, but when you do that, and when, thus when Jesus says that we are to love our enemies, that's what he means. You're supposed to desire their good. That doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, uh, it means that you have to desire that they become, well, more fully the, uh, more fully active in the image of God. Um, so, yeah, um, mistreatment or hatred or those kinds of things would be difficult for, or should be difficult for Christians to do because we would see them in the image of God if we're, if we're going to be not looking at them sinfully. Yep. And that's also why, I mean, just to think even from, for any church members who are, who are listening or people who are thinking about visiting churches, like our, our churches should be of that kind of atmosphere of yeah. looking at people with value, treating them with dignity. Um, and well, if we're not, then we're, as we've been saying, we're in the wrong, that's right. sin. And even if they have very extreme opposition to what it is we as Christians would believe, mm-hmm. I mean, would they... <laughs> It's a strange, it's a strange balancing act. I, I read a, po- a a meme this morning where, you know, if uh, if your politically liberal or conservative friends aren't ever confused about you and your political leanings, you're probably not following Jesus very closely. I see that as well, actually, and uh, it, yeah, it, it makes sense because again, Jesus wasn't conservative. He wasn't liberal. He wasn't. He was yeah. God in the flesh, and he point us back towards the Father through him. Right. Which means that in some cases you're going to look conservative, in some cases you're going to look liberal. Yeah. So a good, solid Christian is the person who rails as vehemently against the injustices done to, I don't know, uh, Muslims or Buddhists or Jews as, as much as we would for fellow Christians. Mm-hmm. And, and this also, I mean, just to, I mean, pol- like political spectrum is definitely one side of it, but another spectrum is um, socioeconomically, like poor people, if you right. see drunken homeless people, we don't, if we have this image of God, right, just because these people are homeless or drunk, that doesn't mean that they're any less creating the image of God as we are. Um, yeah. So just to add in another thing that that, right. yeah, uh, that applies well, to, right? You know, on that note, let's take my sermon from right. this past Sunday. I just have to bring that in there here. It, yeah, threw my bo- I threw myself basically under the bus because I came out of the church there were two very drunk men, you know, who probably weren't the, weren't wearing the cleanest clothes, et cetera, et cetera. And my first reaction was, how do I ask them to move so I'm not so uncomfortable? Right. And, but it was later on that evening, it hit me, and you know, God really spoke to me. He's like, basically in that moment, I was Jonah. Right. I didn't want to. My first thought wasn't, these these men need Jesus. Here's a great opportunity. My thing was, I'm uncomfortable. I'm awkward. How do I solve my problem? Right. And I, I need to repent of that to God. Be like, you know, God, like, I'm so sorry. Like, fix my heart to 
help me see these men as you see them. Right. Though, I mean, the other option could have been you could have just, you know, thrown uh, thrown 50 bucks at him and told him to go away. I mean, which would have been just as bad. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, again, just going back to the idea of loving them is to desire their like the, to will the good of another. Then, well, I mean, just throwing 50 bucks at them isn't really helping them out that well. It's just yeah. kind of pushing them to the side so you can go on with your life. <laughs> well, and, and it's going to it's weird, too, because it's going to be part partially our understanding because. My. My understanding of them as created in the image of God is what's important here. Mm -hmm. Because in a real sense, my mistreatment of another human is by that very nature an attack on the majesty of God. Absolutely. And then that would also mean that any good I do for a neighbor or desire to do for a good of uh, of my neighbor, if the neighbor is in the image of God, which we've just uh, established they Mm -hmm. are, is an act of worship. Which Mm -hmm. is why we see it's such a horrible act, as we see in Scripture, to kill another human being. Yeah. As opposed to killing an animal, whether for self-defense, food, or whatever it may be. It's a much more grave sin to kill another human being who bears the image of the God of the universe. Right. I just had a thought. I'm going to try to formulate this. I have a couple of spinning plates going on in my head, and I'm going to try to bring it into one coherent and cohesive thought. So we often get wrapped up in um, the small details of what does it mean to be created in the image of God. So does being created in the image of God mean that we we have a conscience, we are self-aware, but on all those kind of things. So we get get caught up in in trying to figure that out. But what's the purpose of an image? The purpose of an image is to the purpose of an image is to reflect, to tell people, to communicate, or to demonstrate something of the one you're bearing an image of. And so when God created Adam and Eve in this perfect, sinless state, they were to reflect his glory. They were to reflect his goodness. And they were to be perfect reflections of God. But then something happened, and I'm kind of getting to what are the implications of being made in the image of God from a Christian perspective. But something happened when we read in Genesis 3 that sin entered the world and we fell. And so we, 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 we came into this broken state where we are now not accurately reflecting the goodness and the glory of God. Because sin has so meticulously and... and horribly affected every aspect of our lives theologically they'd say totally totally there you go so yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and so when you want when, when a, let's say a sculptor okay let's say a sculptor creates 7,000 images of himself and puts those images all over the world if you were to see that 7,000 images of this sculptor you would think hey that guy's pretty important that guy's pretty significant but if God has created us to be image bearers of him, there's seven billion of us, seven billion humans on the earth. And so just taking it at face value, that should be enough for anyone to say, you know what? God is pretty important, right? And in fact, when you look in the Old Testament, God sent the Israelites into Canaan 
to destroy the images, to destroy the astral poles, to destroy the things in the high places because they detracted and reflected people away from looking at God. And so here we are as Christians, we're in this broken state as all humans are, so totally affected by sin that we don't accurately reflect God's goodness and his glory. And then comes along Christ who pays for the sins of the world, takes the, you know, anyway, we, that's a whole, what, what podcast was that? Where we talked about salvation and number four. I think number four. So go check out that one. And so through Christ that, that the ability for us to reflect God's glory and his goodness has been restored in some part. We live in this, this weird reality where we are still sinners, but we, through Christ, are not able to reflect God's goodness, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, mm-hmm. in a way that you can't outside of Christ. And so the implications for us as Christians are to reflect to the world as image bearers of God that something has changed, something has happened, and that's the death of Christ, that a new relationship has been established, a new I don't want to say new in a, in a sense that it's an alternate way, but just that relationship, that way back to God has been established. His goodness, his grace, his mercy, forgiveness, that relationship has been restored. Maybe that's the better one. Can we accurately, now I could be way off, but when you look at an image, let's say if you need glasses and you don't have glasses, it's very blurry, very distorted, but that image is still there. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a true image. When you become a Christian and you are made alive through Christ in the Holy Spirit, it's almost like you get glasses on, right? And you see that true image for what it really is. And though, I mean, I would point out that there is going to be a an issue here too, because I think there's the negative view of the fact that we're in the image of God, and this is something that's true of each and every one of us. I mean, insofar as I have to love my neighbor, the fact is I have to look at myself and see that. The image in myself is something that every time I sin, I'm actively opposing. I am actively attacking the image of God in myself Mm -hmm. through my sin. And so the blurriness, the blurriness is a good way of looking at it, but it's not merely blurriness because, you know, seeing things in a blurry way is not, doesn't have any moral ramifications. No. See clearly now the sin is paid for. Possibly. <laughs> but if you can see sin clearly now because the sin is paid for, why is it the Christians still sin? And we do. And of course, partially this is helpful in dealing with other people then too, because I mean, as I look at the way that the that other people have, you know, perverted their own lives they've uh, sinned against themselves and others i mean i i i have to struggle with the with some of the evil things that you know as a pastor i sometimes see people having done to one another and i'm a normal dude i i have the same kinds of feelings but i do the same thing in some way for god to to god so i can't really i can't really look over them and say uh and speak from a position of uh, of righteousness myself because my righteousness is Christ's yeah the only righteousness we have is from Christ I mean we can see clearly but we don't always acknowledge that image either no. um, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a really interesting thing to think about what it actually means. And I don't know if anyone listening, if you've actually thought what it means for us to be created in the image of God. Again, we've all been created in the image of God, but it doesn't mean we all show that image properly. Yeah. Uh, you know, our our hate, our uh, in, injustice, our killing, our even even our anger, or wrath aren't reflective of God because God's is in righteousness. And again, if our only righteousness is in Christ, our wrath or anger is usually out of our own sin, our own pride, our own sense of yeah. someone has wronged me. Like it, we make it all about our, us ourselves. And our hearts are so deceitful, we can even convince ourselves that no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just being angry for God's versions, even though you know I'm just actually angry because somebody's doing something that I don't like. Yeah, but just to clarify, there are such things as okay, wrath and anger. Yeah, um, well, because God has them against justice. Yeah, when when you're angry for the right reasons for justice and right. for love and things like that, but. Anyways, well, I mean, it's why Scripture says that you, in your uh, you can be angry, but don't sin, in your anger don't sin. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, actually, Dave, I'm going to open this up for you in sure. a second because uh, as being image bearers of God, I know you are very into you. You help lead a lot of worship here for Calvary. Um, mm-hmm. We were also created to worship God, and uh, I think you could really speak to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean. As we talk about image of God, there's just so many things that, like, you can you can kind of think, well, this is how the image of God impacts that aspect of life or that aspect of life, and that is a hundred percent true. May, perhaps even more so than others about worship and and music. And I mean, particularly with worship, um, just to be clear up front, we're going to hopefully have a podcast on that soon, um, talking about these things. But when right now, when I'm about to talk about worship. Um, I don't just mean the music we sing on Sunday. Um, a really great book is called Unceasing Worship by Harold Best. Um, so he, he talks a lot about worship in his book and, and kind of gives a general theology for it. And connecting that with the fact that we're created in God's image, everybody worships. There's not a person who doesn't worship things in the world. It's just the object of our worship changes. Um, so even for people who aren't Christian, they still worship things. It just might be their wife or their job or that your, sport. Your children, yeah, money, yourself, yep. yourself. Yep. So we we do worship things, um, and that's just again how we were created, and and how he at least Harold Best in his book describes, and I tend to agree with him. Part of that's because we were created in God's image, and and he draws out um, the language of worship basically being defined as a continuous outpouring and he looks at god as in relationship with himself in trinity um and then also in creation that god is outpouring himself to himself but then also outpouring his love and in, in creation and creativity in the f- way that he created the world he created us um but for him his outpouring is of of lordship of kingship of ruling whereas for us as because i mean he is the sovereign one, he's the creator but for us as the people who are being created for humanity um, who are in his image we also because we're in his image continuously outpour ourselves we we worship things yeah. right but the thing is is that um as god's continuous outpouring is his rule our continuously outpouring is our worship to what whatever it is so 
really we were created to worship God. We were created to be in that loving relationship where he sovereignly rules, where he is in control, where he is king over us, where we would then pour out ourselves to, to obey him, to follow his commands, to have dominion, to worship him, to love him, to outpour ourselves and in mean, that manner as well. Does that mean that, um, I guess in some sense, that would be our imaging of God instead of being God. God pours Absolutely. himself out in ruling and reigning, and we as his images pour ourselves out in pointing to God in adoration and love. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just another facet, really, of what it means to create the image of God. Then again, we're reflecting right. our creator. God pours, and so likewise, we are poor, but we usually are poor towards the wrong things. Mm-hmm. We don't see dogs or and cats or horses worshiping things. And, and that has huge implications for how we, you know, do music absolutely. on a Sunday because it's not about, you know, oh, I mean, some people will say you shouldn't have electric guitar in a Sunday service. It, it's, it's not about that. The worship that you have, it's it's not about the the things. It's about your heart. It's about pouring like pouring yourself yeah. out to Christ. It's about worship. It's not about just this style versus that style, um, or you know those kinds of things that we often probably spend way more time talking mm-hmm. about and arguing about, and less time about the theology. Um, yeah, yeah. That's so. actually kind of tragic that we spend so much time talking about genres and uh, and styles more than actually what we're saying especially when worship itself is more about well what we say about the god we worship so i mean our our worship of god is part of that image you know it what, what it means we worship what it means to actually worship as it's more than singing is more than it it shows itself in serving others you know doing what god commands yeah. following his word uh being devotion and prayer to him it, it, it shows itself in all these things and it just Further, the more we talk about it, the more in my mind it just separates us from the rest of creation and how God has truly yeah. placed his image on mankind. And of course, here's the other a major thing about it. Uh, being in, made in the image of God and being in the image of God, uh, pointing to God, it's a stative thing. It's not an action thing. Yes. It's what you are. It's not what you do. Yeah, we don't become worshipers. We are <laughs> worshipers. Right. And, of course, the question is going to be, are we going to be good at what we do, yeah. worshiping God, or mm-hmm. are we going to be bad at what we do, either by mm-hmm. going to the wrong place or yeah. saying wrong things about God? Yeah. So, guys, uh, that's where we're coming at the end again. Is there anything else anyone would like to add about the image of God and for our listeners? Uh, only 100,000 things, but I don't think we have time for it all. Yeah, we could. I mean, I guess just to put it out there, I mean, if, if you are listening to us and you're really enjoying this specific conversation we could definitely have a part three or a part four so let us know if you want us to you know do that i guess because there's this is such a big topic and as we've already talked about it's so important um i mean just even on the first thing we talked about in this part two the fact that this is the foundation of how we have value for human life i mean that's that's huge um and then it just keeps going after more and more and more so now of course we're all going to be talking about this more and more anyway because the fact is almost everything we can talk about theologically has some basis here Mm -hmm. i mean how are we going to be able to for example talk about the existence of human rights if we don't talk about what it is to be human which is what the image of god is yeah and that is key too that this is just the reality of what it means to be human 
we are created that's in the image of god that's the reality well i'm sure this won't be our last podcast on the image of god and like dave said if you want to hear more please let us know thanks for tuning in again and catch us next time if you want to know more about mile one mission and our work in newfoundland please visit us at mile one mission.ca